I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 143 in which I built a cutting table for MLKSI and I'm recording this episode on Sunday afternoon. It's January 19th, 2014. And yes, we are in the middle of our hashtag MLKSI uh, sew in because we never keep these to just one day. Here in the United States, tomorrow, Monday, January 20th, is Martin Luther King Jr. Um, day and the day that we observe the wonderful work that he did. Um, some folks have off from work, not everybody. But um, for those of us who do, we declared it, as usual, a sew-in day. And as usual, many of us jumped the gun and we're just, you know, kind of having a sew-in for the whole weekend. So it is definitely hashtag MLKSI. Um, as I said in my last episode, I believe I do actually have um, tomorrow off. I often don't. My building, my, the denomination gets it off. Um, but usually I am traveling for work that weekend because as you work with volunteers, you have to work when they're available. So long weekends often end up taking up with meetings. Um, so in any case, I'm usually traveling this weekend. And um, as I said, I think in a blog post, I'm usually observing Martin Luther King Jr. Day by flying home, crammed in coach class and missing flights. But um, this year, our meetings that normally happen this weekend um, got canceled. We did a different thing for our meeting schedule. So um, I'm actually home this weekend, which is really kind of exciting for me. Um, so I want to, with all of that very long preamble, I want to say thank you very much for listening and welcome to any new listeners that are out there. Welcome, welcome. Um, and thank you for anybody that has left reviews on iTunes in any country. It's always very helpful. All of us uh, podcasters do enjoy it when that happens. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, I have a couple of announcements and then I've got Sandy update. I don't really have um, content or reviews or anything this week because of the nature of the update. I've done, you know, I took a couple of notes here and there as I was looking towards this week. But um, as I was out of town last weekend, when I posted the episode that I had previously recorded with Jay, uh, it took me a couple of days to recover from said out of town trip and then just got caught right back up and work and everything. So I haven't really had time to figure out what reviews I was going to do for this episode or whatever. So I decided this week I would just talk about MLKSI and did end up having a little bit more to talk about than I even thought I would. But let me not, um, you know, give a spoiler here. Let's go f through the episode. So I have a couple of announcements. I've got some Sandy update, and then we will finally do some listener feedback, some long delayed listener feedback. So here we go. Um, the first announcement is to remember that the Quilty Resolutions deadline does approach. Remember, you've got all the way to the end of January. I've got a lot of responses already. But if you've been kind of thinking, gee, you know, maybe I'll do it this year or whatever. I know there's a lot of feelings out there about not doing resolutions that you can break. But I think that's why the type of resolutions I tend to make um, are actually harder to break, I think, in my opinion. <laughs> I think they're harder to break. Maybe that's not true. I, you know, and it all kind of depends on how you interpret what I'm saying. But uh, for me, doing this one this year this way, the quilted monkey off your back, it didn't feel to me, and at least the way I approached it for myself, like, you know, some big expectation I was setting up for myself that I wouldn't be able to meet. I, I tend to go easy on myself in that regard. So I do hope you will go back and listen to that episode. Um, I don't remember what number it was. I moved them out of my current working file when I've completed them. Let me do a quick check. It was... Episode 138, in which we make the 2014 Quilty Resolutions, and that was the one in which I actually talked about what those resolutions are um, and what the theme is for this year and kind of what my expectations are for the resolutions you might set for yourself should you choose to join in. And also back on that, um, the show notes to this that episode, I did post a picture of what you would win if you won the giveaway that's related to this. So make sure um, you check back on that if you haven't already uh, done that and if it's something that interests you. 
I have also in the last few days been working on scheduling an interview with somebody I'm really excited about. So keep your fingers crossed that we can get our schedules together and that will hopefully happen in the next couple of weeks and then I'll figure out where I'm going to post that interview when that comes. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. It's one I've been wanting to do for a few years and finally had the opportunity to sort of uh, send up a flare. So hopefully that one will all come about. And also for those of you who are doing Scrapitude or those of you who are just kind of thinking you might do Scrapitude, yes, step four is up. Um, I broke it into two parts. I've already put the first part up. I was going to hold off for a couple of weeks and do the second part. Um, and then I realized there's no way I can really hold off. So I'm going to be posting the second part today after I'm done uh, posting this episode. So um, there will be a new part of Scrapitude posted for those of you who already saw the one I just posted last week. Um, and also do know in my blog, there is a Scrapitude linky going on, a linky party, and it's open until next Friday. So if you've got a blog and you've been doing um, Scrapitude and you're either you're just starting or if you're all caught up and you want to post what you've just done, it doesn't matter where you are in the process. Just go ahead and link up to that blog post so that other folks can see what you've got going on. And of course, we've got the Scrapitude Flickr group, which I've posted the link. I Well, I know at least in the last couple of um, Scrapitude posts I've done, I have focused, uh, posted that link. So you'll also be able to see the Flickr group. And it is just really fun to see it all coming together in so many different colorways as everybody's posting their pictures. So um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm not actually working on Scrapitude myself this weekend for other reasons, but I will be um, working on that in the week to come. Um, and hopefully I'll get, well, I don't really have to have all of mine done until our next guild meeting. So I've got until the middle of February, um, but I'm, I am planning on having them done by then because I really do want to get this done. I'm, I'm enjoying the way it's coming together. So again, that Scrapitude uh, step four, the first part was already posted a couple of days ago, and you will soon see the second part as well. So Sandy update, my daughter left to go back to school this morning, um, and my husband is out watching the game at a local sports bar with his brother and some of their friends. So um, as of about an hour ago, I'm having a, a very quiet afternoon at home. And in fact, I normally I throw the dogs out of my office when I record a podcast just in case they start barking or scratching and rattling their collars and all that kind of stuff. But um, they are so despondent <laughs> about my daughter leaving this morning that I didn't have the heart to abandon them again. So they are right now at least sleeping quietly next to me and keeping a very close eye on me to make sure that I don't also abandon them as everybody else has left the house. Um, now, here's the thing with my daughter going back to school. Here was the minor little, well, not minor, fairly major little wrinkle in the works. Uh, when she, she has my old car, uh, uh, Toyota Highlander. It's about 10 years old now. It was uh, seven years old when I gave it to her. And I decided instead of her getting, a, a, you know, new to her car, I would get the new car and she'd get my old car. And she loved my old car anyway. And that was the car she had learned to drive on. So it really worked well in that regard. This car is now 10 years old. It's got a 175-ish thousand miles on it, maybe even a little bit more. Um, and so, yes, it, it does occasionally have some symptoms of its age. And so it had been having, she had just recently had it in um, when she was home on break over Christmas. She had taken it in to get some kind of, some stuff checked out on it and gotten some repairs done. Unfortunately, they weren't that expensive. Uh, but then she was having these kind of random other little symptoms happening. And I had told her before she took it to the, the um, shop the first time, I said, boy, did you tell them about this, that, or the other thing? She said, oh, no, it only happened once. No, mom, it's not a big deal. I'm like, honey, you should tell them. Oh, it's, uh, you know, it only happened once. And so, you know, she's almost 21. I can't really force her to do these things. So uh, she did not have them check out these random little things. Well, then she was heading to the mall on Friday to um, run some errands so that she could get packed on Saturday. And on her way over to the mall, I never heard exactly what happened, but um, the car was running, but just things, she, as she said to me, Mom, things that normally turn on weren't turning on. I'm like, okay. So she went, uh, she took it straight to Sears and had them look at it while she was around the mall. And about an hour later, they called her on her cell phone and they said, well, we think it might be um, something about the alternator, but it, it, they didn't sound like it was going to be that big a deal. And they said, well, you, you know, we're going to replace the part. It'll probably be an hour. 
Well, then they give her a call in another hour saying, well, it turns out we don't have the right part here, so we've asked somebody to bring it from our other shop. It'll be about an hour. Then an hour later, she gets another call. Well, we tried putting that one in, and it turns out there's two possibilities of the types of this part that could go into this car, and we got the wrong one. So now we're going to have to call and, and order another part. It'll be another hour. <laughs> and then, yes, you can hear the end of this story coming another hour later. Um, well, no, something's not right now, so now we're running more tests. In all, she was in the mall for six hours, and finally, the last time she called me, I said, Honey, I'll just come pick you up. Ask him if you can just leave it there till morning. So I went and got her, came back, and the next morning when she called to see if she, you know if the car had gotten fixed, they said, As it turns out, we can't fix this at all. Um, it's something. It's still something with the alternator. I, I'm not clear on all of the details. But the long and short of it is she ended up having to pick it up from Sears and then um, we've got to take it to the dealer so that they can actually do the repair. Well, the dealer, she couldn't get it in there before she left. So the only solution is that she's now got my car back at school with her. <laughs> And, and I've got her non-functioning car in the driveway. It's it's good enough that we can drive it to the the dealer. It's just they you know they said no, you're not you really shouldn't drive it all the way up to school and back because it's it's like a three hour one way trip. So sometime tomorrow we're going to take her. My husband and I are going to take her car in and drop it off. But that leaves me without a car for the week. Now if this had to happen on any week, this was the good week for it to happen because I did not have any appointments. I have no meetings. There was nothing on the schedule. I hate being without a car. I really hate being without a car. This is, you know, flashbacks to when my son first started driving and used to routinely strand me without a car. It, it's just, I'm too used to having my own car. Um, but that being said, it was either let her take my car or me make two round trips back and forth to school with her. I was like, no, you're just going to take my car. So this is all kind of a long backstory to say, um, here's how this all came down this weekend. Because I had a long weekend scheduled this weekend, I had sort of in the back of my mind been debating, do I make that new cutting table for myself or not? I think I've talked on this podcast before about how I've had major cutting table envy um, of from Tanisha over at Crafty Garden Mom podcast. It was, and actually when I was looking at her blog, I didn't even realize how long ago it was. I think it was last March or April. Tanisha, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, when Tanisha actually her husband built her uh, this new cutting table and it's one that's been on Pinterest. Uh, I've seen it all over the place. It's you use four uh, closet made cubicle, whatever they're called, cubicles. They're the set of shelves and it's the nine cubby shelf. You put four of those together, you get a slab of um, whatever you want to use as your top cut for you at a you know, I got mine done at Home Depot and then you bolt it all together and you've got yourself a solid surface cutting table. And I have wanted one for the longest time. So I had been kind of debating, well, maybe this would be a good weekend to do it. But, you know, I don't know. Do I really want to get into that now? Because I knew it would take a long time. So anyway, this was this kind of debate I was going on. Well, then I find out I'm going to be without a car for a week. And suddenly I was like, I better get that stuff for the cutting table. I better just get it so that now I've got this week where I can't go anywhere. I can kind of poke away at it, you know, that kind of thing. So I ended up spending all day Saturday running errands. I had to get groceries anyway, because the cupboard was freaking bare. So I had to get groceries and then I had to go to Target and get the cubbies. And then I had to go to Home Depot and get the top and get that cut to size and get all the right brackets and um, get it all back home. So I ended up being gone. And then we were going out to dinner for Evans last night and we were trying to go early because Chris's parents were going with us. So I, no sewing happened on Saturday. Um, today, she now is, um, you know, my daughter has now left um, like at 8.30 this morning because she's going to my in-laws to have breakfast with them on her way out of town. And um, I realized, okay, now I've got four cartons with bookshelves and the top all sitting in my sewing room. Do I really want to be working around this stuff for the next few days trying to get some sewing done? It's like, you know what? Let me just get this thing built. And of course that took all day today. <laughs> so, and it's, it's not even actually finished. Um, I do have, it's all set up and I can use it. That's good for me now. I don't have the final brackets that attach all of the bookshelves to each other. It's actually very sturdy. Um, when I, I actually practiced kind of cutting a couple things on the table. Nothing's moving. Nothing's moving at all. 
Um, but just to make it sturdy over time, you actually use mending brackets and L brackets and stuff to actually attach those shelves to each other. And I just wore out. I couldn't. I started to do it and I couldn't quite figure out how do I do this because there's already screws in the way and where, where's the best way and oh man I'm gonna have to measure to bolt the, the thing on the top <laughs> it just it was that last draw I couldn't quite handle after a whole day of building bookshelves and getting all this the other parts of it done so um, it's now usable it's not pretty um, what can I tell you about it I will post links to uh, Tanisha has pictures of it and measurements on her blog and then I found another person's blog that actually did more of a step-by-step -step, um, on how you actually build it and then at some point but I don't want to do this yet because like I said I haven't actually finished it yet when I actually have it finished I will then um, I'll put this whole blog together with these other links I'm not going to do it in the show notes this episode I guess and I will then also do the the here's some extra tips that I learned um, Tanisha by the way was very nice yesterday when I finally realized yeah I'm actually gonna do this I guess I emailed her slash her husband because um, her husband built hers I was doing mine on my own I uh, emailed her a few extra questions here's some things I think I'm gonna run into how did you handle this that and the other thing and and last night I got an email back from her um, with answers from her husband so I appreciate that Tanisha uh, so I will try to include that kind of information whenever I get this blog post done. So, um, and it might take me a few days because really I am just exhausted at this point. Those bookshelves, they're not hard to put together, but they are stinking heavy. And just hauling them around and doing four of them in a row. Um, I started the first one at like 10 o'clock this morning, 10.30, something like that. Um, that one took me almost a full hour. Broke for lunch went back, did the other three, bing, bang, boom. And of course, once you've done the first one, the, the next ones go much quicker. By the end of it, I had them down to 35, 40 minutes, a, well, but I guess about 40 minutes a piece. And the part that took the longest was um, stinking cardboard backing. There's, there's um, if you've ever put together one of these press board bookshelves from Target, you know how they work. You know, you've got the, this kind of cardboard backing that usually goes over the whole thing. Um, that you nail in with these little dinky nails all the way around the outside edges. Well, this doesn't have it over the whole thing. I would have preferred that. It has four of them because it's trying to be decorative. So it's got four. No, I'm sorry. It's got five. And you do them in, um, you know, the two outer corners up and down and then the center. And then the other cubbies are just open. And, you know, like I said, it's supposed to be decorative. But also then you get these fabric bin things that you can use in the open ones to hold that. Anyway. Um, those things just took forever to nail on the stinking back. And I kept thinking, do I just skip them or do I not as put as many nails in? And I kept telling myself, no, Sandy, because the day may come that you'll be glad you did the whole nine yards. So anyway, um, like I said, I've got to get the brackets on. I've got to get the top actually bolted to the bookshelves. Right now it's just laying on top of them. And then I've got to put the vinyl iron-on edge in. It's not vinyl, whatever it's called, the melanine edging that you put around the unfinished edge of the top. And I've got to get all that done. I do have, I was um, joking by email with a friend of mine that I've got a, um, actually, no, I'm sorry. I might've been joking with Tanisha by email <laughs> saying, okay, I got it done. Thanks. Um, but we have a, a friend of our family is a handyman, general contractor kind of guy. And we've got him coming over Tuesday or Wednesday night to look at some other stuff in the house that we need done. And I'm seriously thinking about batting my big brown eyes at him and saying, could you finish this for me, please? But, you know, I would feel bad about doing that because then I'm just playing into the stereotype of a woman who doesn't know her way around a power drill. I know my way around a power drill. Power drill. That's part of why I'm tired because I was using a really big power drill. Um, it's just, you know, I'm just tired and I didn't feel like figuring out those last details. So if I don't feel like figuring them out before he comes, I might do the bat my big brown eyes at him. Um, so that's where that stands. It is a bigger cutting table than my used to, my old cutting table used to be. My former cutting table was um, from Joann's. It was one of the ones, it's not the one with the shelves or drawers or whatever. It's just open on the bottom and it's got the two sides that pull up. It's actually my second of those cutting tables. The first one I had was my very first cutting table ever and it probably lasted me about six, seven years, I think. And it did not really survive the move into this house well. Um, it was already getting a little bit old and wobbly. And by the time we moved it um, in and out of the moving truck and all that kind of stuff, it had warped. And so that one got delegated to the basement. And that's now where I do my gift wrapping. 
this one, then I bought this one new pretty much right after we moved into this house. And so now at this point, it's about eight years old, but for the last two or maybe three years, it's been a while that this has been bugging me. It also warped. And because it's this inexpensive press board stuff, there's no fix in this. Once it, um, you can't just screw it in tighter because there's nothing left to screw it into. <laughs> so if there, there was a lip between one of the, you know, one of the side panels where it connects to the center, there's this little bit of a drop. And it was just enough that I, if I was cutting alongside that drop, it would throw off the cut. So for the last couple of years, I've been cutting either to one side or the other of that cut, and it's been driving me crazy. And so I've been dying for the solid surface um, cutting table for a while. And I priced out, you know, the, the koala and the horn. I have a horn sewing cabinet and just couldn't bring myself to spend that money. Now, I will say doing this cutting table was probably about half the price of getting one of the horn ones, but it's still not super cheap. I mean, it's more expensive than one of the Joann's one. Um, some of your price is going to depend on whether or not you buy the bookshelves at Target on sale. Mine did happen to be on sale, but you're still buying four of them. And then it all depends on what you end up putting on top um, and uh, what size you ultimately want. Um, I actually got mine a couple of inches bigger than what um, I think I rounded up. I was about... Tanisha gave me the measurement of hers and I added an inch or like three quarters inch or something because I wanted a little bit more of a lip over one side to give myself more of like a toe kick kind of thing. Um, I don't have all of those measurements in front of me. I don't, I, I'll try to remember to post them all to the blog. Um, I don't know if I'll post prices. I might tell you about what I paid total for this. I know it was somewhere probably right around 150 maybe 175. I don't know. I'd have to add it all up. Um, but that's, you know, and that includes all the brackets, etc. Does not include the power drill. That was already owned. Uh, so anyway, uh, this is, it's, again, it's not a cheap solution. It is a DIY solution. It feels like it's going to be a very sturdy, solid solution. And I love having all the extra storage already. I've already got some stuff stashed in there. Um, I'm not going to work on reorganizing everything tomorrow, I don't think, because I need to live with stuff for a little while and decide where it really best fits. And, and they are 12-inch cubbies, and not all of my bins will fit in that, so I might end up eventually deciding, okay, I want to get a couple of bins that will fit better in here. But right now I'm just going to be you know, moving the stuff around. So that's my cutting table saga as it is. And I'm sorry it's not a very organized. I didn't write myself notes. <laughs> well, mostly I didn't write notes while I was doing it. <laughs> I was just trying to get her done. Um, but also, I'm, like I said, I'm just exhausted right now. I think after I do this episode, once it's posted, I might actually go in, um, just crash on the couch and watch some DVDs or something. I don't know. I need a break. Uh, so anyway, that's the cutting table extravaganza. Oh, and, and <laughs> I should have probably written all this out. Part of what took a long time. I think I started working on it at 10 or 10.30, but I didn't actually build my first table until 11 because when I took the old cutting table out to get it out of the way, um, I realized, dang, this is probably my best chance to reorganize all the cords under my computer desk. I had tweeted a couple of weeks ago now when my husband moved his desk out of this room, the now you could suddenly see the morass of cords that were under the computer desk. Um, from all the various peripherals and everything. And not only was it bothering me, I do always worry a little bit about fire hazard when you've got that many cords going on. And um, it was often difficult to know, like if I had to move a component, I'm trying to trace my cords back. I had labeled, I mean, at various times over their existence, they've been organized, but they tend to get unorganized again. Um, and putting the new cutting table in where I have it, that means where the old cords were laying was really kind of another place I might want to stand on occasion. So I really needed to get them out of the way. So that took me probably 45 minutes to an hour to, I unplugged everything, sorted everything out, wrapped a bunch of cords, so, you know, because the other problem I've got is a lot of these cords are like 15 feet long and I only need about six feet to get it, you know, from point A to point B. So I was wrapping up a lot of the extraneous cord and bundling it so it would be out of the way. Um, I will say I only found one power cord that seemed to no longer be powering anything. And so I got that out of the way. And there was one other, like a random USB cord or something that was still hanging out from some former peripheral no longer used. So I was able to sort that out. Um, 
and then just kind of restring everything so it wasn't as tangled. So that took a while, and it, you know, it's one of those things that's not particularly satisfying, but it's good to get done. And then, of course, I get that done, and I walk out, and I think, okay, now I can start building, and I'm like, oh, no, I really ought to vacuum. So then I vacuumed, and then I'm looking at the wall where the desk used to be thinking, man, that's pretty beat up. Maybe I should try to wipe it down before I, you know, put this new cutting table against it. I don't know why I, I had that thought in my head, because I'm going to be blocking it all with a cutting table. And yet still, I went and got my Mr. Clean eraser, or whatever it's called, and tried to wipe down the wall to very little avail. I only spent about five or ten minutes on that and gave up. Um, so all of that was, you know, the preamble to actually getting to building. So really, it's no wonder I'm tired. I got a lot done today. I will say that. Um, so, oh, and then the other thing that's actually going to be happening in terms of this reorganizing of my room, um, I had actually, before I had decided I was going to do the cutting table anytime soon, I really thought I was not going to get it done until February or March. But another thing that's been bugging me for a while is I've got all these rolls of things, rolls of various pellons, rolls of luchador, rolls of, you know, just rolls of things, and they don't sit nicely on a shelf. And so I've been looking, and if you follow my Pinterest boards, you will see I've been pinning a variety of possible solutions for corralling these rolls. Um, the problem is most of the solutions I was finding, most of the inexpensive, easy solutions I was finding, all were from Ikea. And I don't have an Ikea anywhere near me. I have to travel three hours for the closest one, five hours for another one. Um, and it, shipping is just... Anyway, I couldn't do the Ikea thing. So I ended up ordering um, from the Container Store Online an Alpha, I think it's Alpha, over-the-door gift wrap organizer system. And what I'm going to be doing, I think I might actually get it tomorrow probably more likely Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm trying to remember when I ordered it, but what I'm going to do is uh, it'll be on the, you know, over the door in my sewing room and all of those things that are in rolls, um, I'm going to roll them up and put them where the gift wrap part would be and then put like my spray starches and, you know, my fusible, my spray based stuff and all that kind of stuff in one of the racks on the top because right now all this stuff is sort of stacked on a way high up shelf where if I pull one off, I tend to get three off at once. So that's the other thing that's going to be happening that's very exciting um, this week. And like I said, I, I ordered that when I didn't think I was going to be doing the cutting table. I had no thought that I was really going to be reorganizing my entire studio this week. <laughs> but it'll be nice to have it done. Um, so once that gets done, I'll post pictures of that kind of thing as well. So that all kept me from really getting any sewing done. Um, Oh, and then just a sideboard. You've heard me complain about my ironing board cover now that I got the new iron and I had the insulated ironing board cover that suddenly started scorching things. And then it also, the other problem I was having with it is the new iron has apparently a very pointy bottom because every time I put it down on the ironing board cover and would rest it on the end, it was poking holes in the ironing board cover. Go figure. Um, I think the ironing board cover maybe was just getting old and burned through. So I'm not sure I can recommend this Bonash insulated um, apply yourself sticky back ironing board cover because it's not that old. I just put that on, I think like early summer, late spring, somewhere in there last year. And if it's weak enough that an iron can poke holes in it after a few months. I, I'm not sure that says it's really got much lasting power. I'd be curious if any of you own one or have experience with one that you've had for a while and can speak to, you know, give your wisdom to the listener body out there to let them know what your experience has been with this. Um, I, I'm not overly impressed now, really. I loved it when I first put it on there. It did exactly what I wanted it to do, but now... You know, if you're only going to hang in there for seven, eight months, you're not worth my time and my money. <laughs> so I'm not sure I like that. So anyway, I, I bought a, I just bought one at Target, ironing board cover, and stuck it on there. And I have a wider board, um, which I also bought at Target, so I can fit it from with theirs. Um, so I just stuck it on over the top of the insulated one. I hope it works well. I didn't want to do anything fancy, and I really don't want to get, try to get that insulated one off of there, I suspect. I'd be working at it for a while to the point where I'd almost just want to throw out the whole ironing board and start <laughs> again. So for now, I'm doing the, you know, just slap it on over the top and hope it works well. Um, so uh, the whole disappearing pinwheel thing, this is what we're hoping to do for MLKSI. And I have seen other people's um, posts 
about a little bit of their progress, although most people are really kind of waiting for tomorrow, for Monday, to do it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping now that I've got my cutting table up enough to be workable, I am still planning on working on the disappearing pinwheel tomorrow. Um, probably not going to start anything tonight. I'd be afraid of what I would do <laughs> with how tired I am. But I think I've pretty much got all the cutting done because I am using a, um, I think it was originally a layer cake. It's a bunch of batiks that I had already cut as 10 inch squares in my stash. And uh, I've already got a bunch of white 10 inch squares that I'd like to use as background. But every time I look at them, I can't quite tell whether they're really a true white or they're more of a cream. I think they're a true white. I think I've just been looking at them in funky light. Um, so I really want to look at that again tomorrow because it would be nice to just be able to start doing this and not actually have to cut a bunch of 10 inch squares. Um, and in fact, I'll probably just go ahead and do that now that I'm sitting here looking at them. I think they're close enough to a true white that it'll work well. Uh, I did tweet a couple of options I had on colors. I still haven't decided what size I'm actually doing, so that will kind of change how I put my colors together. Um, but it's primarily aquas and, and kind of uh, teal colors, and then I might throw in some yellows and yellow oranges. I don't have a true orange, but I do have yellow orange. Um, and I think it could be really pretty. So that will be fun. I do want to work on that tomorrow, whether I'm going to get a bunch, you know, all my blocks done or not. I don't know. It kind of depends on how much time I end up having. Uh, in terms of my craftsy classes, I am still poking away at my stupendous stitching. Obviously, you know, didn't get anything done yesterday or today on it. I might do a little bit on that tomorrow. It kind of depends on how into the disappearing pinwheel I get or whether I need a break from that and do something else. Um, I'm also... I watched another couple of lessons in the Artisan Breads. I'm at the point with that class that I'm trying to decide when I'm going to decide I'm done because I'm, I, there's no way I'm going to do every single recipe and technique that's in that class only because there are so many of them. It's a really good class. I'll do a full review later. Um, but there's a lot of techniques, and I really don't think I want to force myself to say I must have done every one of those techniques in order to call it done. I think I'm going to do one more loaf. And I've already got it started, actually. I, I'm trying the Poolish method again, where you do part of it. You kind of create a sponge the day ahead, and then you um, bake the bread, or you you know do the rest of the process the next day. It's not a sourdough, but it's a similar idea where you're kind of, you've got a starter that you're creating that then starts the rest of the loaf. Um, I think that one I might consider done. There is one more recipe at the in the last lesson that I really want to try because it's a chocolate bread, and who wouldn't want to try making a chocolate bread? So that one might be the one that I say, okay, once I've made that one, then I'll consider myself done. Um, and then another one, once I finished the Wendy Butler Burns class, I did start trying, you know, I, I did start finishing, if that's a good way to say it, uh, another crafty class, which is one I, again, I've done a lot of, and I could possibly consider it done but I, I kind of I want to feel more done with it and it's on spinning drop spindling actually um, spinning wool with a drop spindle and what I ended up doing because I was really struggling and if you recall I had gone to a fiber arts festival and I would bought a bunch of different wools but not really knowing much about it I was just getting going for variety I didn't really know what was going to be easy and what wasn't going to be you know what was going to be a little bit trickier um, and I've, I've been struggling, not having horrible problems, but not going as smoothly as I would like. And what I finally decided to do is, a few days ago, um, Craftsy, you know, was sent around an announcement about one of their sales and happened to have in the email, I've been ignoring all those sale <laughs> emails, cause, as you know why, uh, but it happened to have a picture of the drop spindle class, and I looked at it, and the kit for the class was on sale. And the kit for the class has various types of uh, wool roving, and then it has a bottom whirl spindle. And mine is a top whirl spindle that I've been trying to use. And she demonstrates, she demonstrates both, but she's mostly using the bottom whirl spindle in the class. And I decided, you know what, I think it'll be easier on myself to use what she's using and follow exactly what she's doing to learn the techniques. And since it was on sale, I did go ahead and order that. So I should have that sometime this week. Once I get that, I'm going to go back to the beginning of that class and then work my way through it again. And that'll be another class that I'll have to decide when do I decide this is done because there isn't really a specific class project. Uh, so I am, again, you know, that means I'm working on three classes kind of at once, but there's another one, you know, Artisan Breads. I think I'm pretty close to finishing. 
and the spinning class, I'm not sure how much more I'm going to do on it before I decide that one's also done. So I'm, I'm feeling good about that progress. Um, so that's all of my Sandy update at this point. Um, sorry I don't have any, you know, like helpful information <laughs> in this one. I, I really kind of was getting into doing all the reviews and stuff. You will have more reviews. I've got, I've got a couple of books I'm just kind of finalizing my notes on. Uh, so we've got some of that coming up in the future, just not this weekend. All right, let's do some listener feedback. Okay, I got an email. Oops, it just disappeared from my computer screen. I got an email from um, a relatively new listener, Susan, who is, bless her soul, working her way through all of my episodes. <laughs> I'm always so very impressed when somebody has the stick to to do that. Uh, but she, um, she said, first of all, Susan, which I really appreciated that her uh, behaviors have been a direct result of the podcast about stash evaluation. She says, last night I came to terms with fabric that should no longer be in my home. I have to admit that something was just plain ugly and of no use to anyone. I love purging and feel renewed, so thanks. So congratulations on your newfound freedom, uh, Susan, and liberating fabric. And um, just always keep in mind that what you no longer love, and this is to everybody, not just Susan, but fabric that's no longer flipping your switch may be exactly the fabric somebody else is looking for. So if you're part of a guild, bring it in and offer it up for donation or put it like our guild um, at every retreat has a um, kind of an auction thing, going no money auction thing that goes on. And I often will bring, you know, some fabrics that I'm kind of mentally done with and I'll put it in that. So there's a lot of places you can off fabric out of your home and know that it's going to go on for another use. Now, the reason I wanted to, the main reason I wanted to share Susan's email, although that was all fun to talk about, is Susan wants to ask our opinion. And I decided what I would do is put this out there now and then wait to see what kind of comments I get. And then I might do an episode on this topic. Um, Susan asks, what I am hoping to hear from you and your listeners is an opinion on light bulbs. I am thinking about the lamps in my home as well as lighting for my sewing area. I've been a fan of the reveal bulbs for around my home so that my wall paint color and home decorations would show true colors. I also like to hang quilts and want those colors reflected accurately as well. With the demise of the incandescent light bulb, I am wondering what people will use in their homes. Only recently have I had any satisfaction with a bulb. It was the reveal version of a new compact fluorescent. My previous attempt to use this type of bulb review, uh, reveal gave me a bright white for 30 seconds, then a distinct rose hue after that. I am pleased that my recent purchase is improved from the prior, but I'm still wondering what quilters think is the best product. I know that we all insist on accurate color. I would like accurate color throughout my whole house. Care to weigh in. So again, like I said, um, I am sharing this question with all of you listeners. I would like all of you to um, leave comments on this episode with your two cents. And then if I have enough for a whole podcast episode, I might actually devote a whole podcast episode to lighting. Um, and especially because I did just redo all the lighting in my sewing area. Um, so that, again, I'm just putting it out there. I'm not going to share my opinions about light bulbs right now, Susan. I'm sorry that I'm making you wait, but I'm anxious to hear what everybody says, and then I'll, I'll put it all together. So thank you for your email. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep saying Sandy only because I keep looking at the top line of your email, which says, hi, Sandy. Um, <laughs> so thank you for your email, Susan. And uh, again, listeners, please do weigh in on light bulbs, and um, I will share all of the information in the future, either in listener feedback or in its own episode. Okay, I had several comments on my blog post about um, what Nitty AJ can talk me into, which is when I first said that, yes, indeed, a bunch of us are going to be doing that disappearing pinwheels thing, which is from the Missouri Star Quilt Company. Uh, if you go back on my blog, I actually embedded both videos for the two variations on it in that blog post. Um, Terry says, I would caution people about the method of seeing around a, a layer, sewing around a layer cake square, though. Some layer cakes are not perfectly sized or square, so it might be wise to check the sizes and make sure they're perfectly square before using this uh, particular technique. Uh, what Terry is referring to is the very first step of making the pinwheel block is you layer, you put your two, your background and your um, focus layer cake squares or 10 inch squares 
together, right sides together, and then you sew all the way around all four outside edges, and then you cut from there and you end up making eventually pinwheels. Um, and what Terry is saying is that if your layer cakes aren't all this, if your squares aren't actually all true um, square or true 10 inch, then you're going to have problems. And I want to chime in on that because one of the things I was doing when I was going through my 10 inch square collection was measuring because I knew I had cut some of those squares myself and apparently I was on drugs one night because I found a bunch that were 11 inch and I don't know why that is. Um, so I'm thinking I just wasn't paying attention and I cut myself a bunch of 11 inch squares. Uh, but anyway, the, the layer cake squares that I found, the batik collection I'm using, um, are all 10 inch, but there were a few that weren't entirely square. And these were, I think I might've gotten these from a local quilt shop. I didn't order them online. I think I bought them from an LQS I don't remember whether or not they were pre-packaged. So I don't remember if these actually came from the um, fabric manufacturer or if they were cut by the LQS. But in either case, it does not matter. You have to, uh, uh, the, I guess the word of the day is no assumptions. You have to measure every dang square because they may not all actually be true. Um, I have often opened up like five inch charm packs that are from the fabric manufacturer and I'll find one that's maybe an eighth or a quarter of an inch short because it went through their cutter the wrong way or something. I don't know. So make sure you double check all of your squares before you start cutting. Um, thank you, Terry, for pointing that out. And yes, my own experience did um, bear that out as well. Um, Jay also posted and she said she's wondering if the first cuts after sewing around the two pieces of layer cake put the pieces of the pinwheel on the bias. Yes, yep, it does. So I've also heard a lot of people saying that they're pre, they're starching their 10 inch squares first to try to help control some of that. So that's another tip. If you're wanting to do this disappearing pinwheel technique to um, make sure you, you starch all of your stuff first to kind of give it as much stiffness as possible. And Jay also poked at me about my hexagon quilt that is still in hexagon pieces. But I will say that was actually one of the project bins that I moved directly into one of the cubbies on my, <laughs> on my new cutting table um, to make it more prominent in my mind. The main problem with it, Jay and everybody, is it's going to be really big and I don't have a design wall big enough to hold it all at once. And the design is such that I really have to have it all laid out at once. So what I'm going to, because it's sort of an abstract design. So what I'm going to have to do is I think my portable design wall would be big enough. So I'm going to have to set that up and figure out where to keep that so it's out of the way. But I can, so I'm kind of thinking I might end up putting it up in my son's bedroom um, and putting it up there. So anyway, that's kind of been the stopper for getting this thing done is the fact that I have to lay it all out so I can see it all at once. Um, and just having a space big enough for that to happen. So that's, it's not that I've forgotten I have it. That's just the stopper. And I want to say thank you. By the way, Nitty AJ did um, also comment on that blog post and she said it wasn't her fault, <laughs> but it was. We're not going to let her weasel out of that one. Um, she just thought it would be fun to have a virtual bee because she doesn't have any quilty friends nearby. So we will be your quilty friends, AJ. That's not a problem. Um, Eileen has also done that disappearing nine patch in the past, and she said it was fun and easy. So thank you, Eileen, for that reassurance. And thank you to Christy and Gretchen, who both thought they might join in as well. Holly posted on my Vacation Accomplishments blog post that she said, next time you need fabric for quilt sandwiches for practicing, um, quilting. She says, consider buying a couple of sheets from a thrift store. You can probably find a tighter weave, better fabric than that muslin you mentioned, and you're not buying anything new for practice. Um, so thank you for that good idea as well, Holly, um, and everybody else listening to it. Check out your um, local thrift store, buy a couple of sheets, and cut them down into size for practice quilt sandwiches. That would be a very inexpensive way to go about doing that. Um, Mandela, you know what, I feel like I already responded to this one. Maybe I didn't, though. Mandela uh, had also commented on my blog post about machine quilting with Wendy Butler Burns, where I reviewed that class. And um, she was very kind and said, if I could free motion quilt like you, then I'd be happy. Thank you, Mandela. I have a long way to go. She asks if I had ever tried bobbin genie washers. They seem to sort out a multitude of bobbin problems, she says. And 
I think I might have actually responded on the blog to this. I have actually tried them. I, I own them. I have them still here. But the couple times I've used them, I was not happy with them. I felt like, again, just like the problem I talked about in my blog post, um, that the bobbin was spinning too fast, and I was actually getting more thread nests going on using those bobbin genie washers. So apparently what the issue is, is that my machine actually handles free motion quilting quite well. It's user error. <laughs> so I don't need any of those little niceties. You know, the bobbin genie washers, the um, specialty bobbin in my machine. I just need to get better at uh, free motion quilting myself because it seems when I'm, as I'm getting better, my machine seems to be doing fine. But I will say, if any of you um, are struggling a little bit with issues of bobbin problems, you might want to go ahead and try those bobbin genies, G-E-N-I-E, -E, I think is how it's spelled. Um, they're not that expensive, so it's, it's always worth a shot. And I want to say thank you to Carolyn and Lori and Debbie um, and Diane and Linda and Carmit. Um, for their comments on my fingertip rotary cutter blog post in which I reviewed that. Um, no, not Debbie. Yes, Debbie had bought one of them about a year ago and she loves it. She had just used it again today. She says it's especially wonderful for cutting curves. Carmen wanted to know how many layers of fabric it could cut at once. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I would want to try cutting more than one with it. I would think it would be difficult to do more than one. Maybe two, but... It's, it's so fine-tuned, and you're just using your finger. Um, I wouldn't want to try to do a whole lot of layers. I, I guess, Debbie, since you've had yours for about a year, if you've ever done more than one layer, let us know. Um, I haven't tried it, so I can't speak to that. Um, and, Carmen, your other question about whether the ends of the finger ring would eventually start being painful... Yeah, I would think it could if you're using it for hours on end. This is, again, not a rotary cutter I see myself using for more than a few minutes on a, a very specialized kind of piece um, or whatever. It's, it's, not, it's not something I would look to replace my regular rotary cutter with, I guess. It would be definitely a specialty rotary cutter for very particular kinds of use. So, um, again, Debbie, if you can answer to either of those questions since you've had yours longer than me, um, let me know. Thank you. All right, and I want to say thank you to everybody who commented on episode 141, in which I got started on 2014 goals. Um, Daisy W. left a, a fairly long and detailed comment that I would suggest you all go and read. I'm not going to read the whole thing now, but if you're looking for new ideas on how to organize yourself, she's got some good ideas here. She shares how she does it. Um, she had tried a couple of apps, but now she's gone back to a paper solution with some apps that help support certain areas of it. So um, again, that's Daisy W. had left that comment on episode 141. So I would suggest um, if you're interested in trying to organize yourself differently, you might want to go back and read that. Um, and also Maureen HP on the same uh, episode talked about Routinely, which is an app on Android. But I think I also saw that on iPhone. I think it's available on both. And so she shares a little bit about that. Um, Ethel talks about UFOs, and she's sorted out the ones she wants to complete. And that's a good point. You don't necessarily always have to complete all of your UFOs. Cut yourself some slack, people. So thank you, Ethel, for leaving that comment. Beth did get back to me on Cozy. If you remember, I was talking about Cozy and wasn't sure if it was free. And she did get back to us with some prices. Regular Cozy is free. And then Cozy Gold is $30 a year. Um, so she's going to, uh, so if you're interested in Cozy, you might want to check that out. The Cozy Gold is ad-free and has more features, um, but I think Beth said she's still using the free one and she hasn't even noticed any ads, so she hasn't had a problem with that. Um, and thank you to the Kitchen Quilter who left a comment on episode 140 in which we had BDSI. She said, I love the story of your dad's notebook holster. Thanks for the podcast suggestion. I also love those old radio mysteries, the Yay for Podcasts. And I say the same thing. Yay for podcasts. Um, thank you again to Daisy W., who also left a comment on my blog post, Another To-Do Marked To-Done. Um, she talks about inheriting her mother's yarn stash when her mother passed away in 2008 and her own story about making an Afghan. So, um, Again, my, my blog post about another to-do, Mark to done is something that I finally kind of cut myself slack on doing. So if you're interested in reading that, go back and read that blog post and Daisy's comment. It's a wonderful story. Um, 
and Debbie Kidd, who also commented on that same blog post, and she talks about having made herself a quilt documentation book, and she gave some good information on that as well, so make sure you read that comment. Um, and thank you to Maureen and Linda as well, who um, both commented on that as uh, on that blog post. And, and Linda also had a, a kind of a similar background story. She talked about having UFO hanging over her head since 2000. Um, she was making a, a koi. <laughs> Sorry, I suddenly blanked on how to pronounce that word because I'm so tired. A koi quilt for her husband as raising koi was his hobby. He passed away in 2005 and I felt I should finish it. She put should in quote marks. I have not been able to make any progress on it for at least the last four years. This year when tallying my current UFOs, I said no more. One of my 2014 resolutions is to quilt long arm more. I'm going to quilt it now and move on. So yes, Linda, good luck getting your koi quilt done and um, pictures. I would really love to see that quilt. And I know that will be so meaningful to you when you do actually get it done. So good luck with that. And thank you to um, Diane and Lauren, who both left posts on the 2014 and 2013 Quilty Resolutions um, pot, uh, posts, respectively. And um, Pratima or Pratima, you've really got to tell me how to pronounce your name because you comment quite frequently, and I'm th pretty sure I'm always commenting it, or pronouncing it wrong. Um, and Jay and Carol and Lori and Very Lazy Daisy, who all commented on Scrapitude Step 4. Um, all y'all who are doing Scrapitude, remember to go in and leave your linkies um, on whatever my most recent blog post was that I have the linky party open on. Um, and, oops, my email just crashed. Hang on. Well, it's it didn't crash. It just froze up on one email, and it's not letting me see it. So whoever commented on MLKSI joining us for another so in, I'm sorry, I can't see your comment at the moment. I know I read it when I saw it. So whoever you were, thank you. And thank you also to um, Lori for commenting on one of my Poem of a Day poems. So I think that's everybody. I think I'm finally caught up, and there were a handful of new subscribers to my blog by email. Thank you to all of you. Um, and I think that finally catches me up on listener comments. I felt so bad lately when I haven't really been able to, to talk back to you. I like doing that. Thank you, everybody, um, for your conversation, always. And thank you for listening and sharing your own knowledge and information with me so that I can share it with my listeners. And that is definitely going to be it for this episode because I'm tired and I just need to go crash for a little while. You know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow my blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Facebook, Flickr, and oh, a variety of other places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z in all of those places. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group, and I really encourage you to because I like seeing your pictures. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you can find links for all of those things at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, join into hashtag MLKSI and go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.